It's ten times the terror. Hello there. Hello and welcome to Ten Times the Terror. We're having a special focus uh, this week on Halloween and uh, horror films. And uh, this is Paul. I'm here by myself today, but I'm going to share with you, just for whatever interest it may generate, uh, my choices of the top ten horror films of all time. And there's different kinds of lists coming out, uh, especially as we're getting closer to Halloween. But I want to say a few things to kind of, uh, by way of introduction, because um, a list is only as significant in terms of, as it, it indicates the criteria for what fits that. One of the things that's very striking is what, what's a horror film? And uh, most of the famous actors we associate with it, going back to Boris Karloff and Bela Lugosi and on up to the present, uh, did not like the term, uh, objected to it. And... Uh, they associate a horror with things that were disgusting or, uh, or perverse, but the, the term is stuck. And one of the things we have to note when looking back at the history of film is that while other types of film, other genres we could call them, whether they've been um, musicals uh, or westerns or gangster films, they come and they go. They rise and they fall. They're at different periods of the case where, you know, in the 1930s, Warner Brothers had a whole host of gangster films. The 1950s, uh, MGM had a whole host of continuing uh, host of uh, musicals. And you know, on up to the present, you can see that again and again. That these kind of resurface and whatever. The horror film, with very few exceptions, is pretty much of a constant. That uh, it's always there. Now there have been breaks in the chain, as it were a few times, but uh, uh, the horror film never seems to really go out of fashion. And uh, there's some, could be some reasons for that, but I think really it's because the horror film taps into very basic feelings and instincts that we all have. And so I would say that uh, a horror film is made up of three elements. Again, one can choose to disagree, whatever, but I need to have some guidance when I'm making a list like this. So. The, uh, uh, the three elements that I, I consider to be basic to a, quote, horror film are, first of all, fear. Obviously, you've got to be afraid of something. This is scary. Uh, something's going on that's uh, uh, really, very, quite, really frightening. The second point, though, is that something is unnatural. Now, the unnatural will sort of include the supernatural, but it's not limited to that. The unnatural can include madness. It can include delusions. Uh, it can include dreams. Uh, anything that is that breaks down the ordinary chain of life could qualify here. Uh, when Dr. Frankenstein is creating his creature, his monster, uh, it's not something that's supernatural, but it certainly is unnatural because he's bringing dead bodies uh, back to life in a new form and all of that. We all know that how foundational that story is, but uh, it's also how, how consistent these stories are. Uh, it's striking to note that with very few other exceptions, Frankenstein has been filmed in one way or another in every decade of the 20th century, beginning with the first version, which was done by Thomas Edison uh, in the wilds of a place called um, uh, West Orange. <laughs> 
1910, going why not up to the to the end of the 20th century and in, into the 21st century uh, with films like Victor, uh, where we've got uh, uh, Harry Potter, you know, playing the role of, of, of Franklin, in effect, with you know, with his his actor, their namesake. Uh, all right, so unnatural. And then the third thing I would put in there is that the horror film deals with the problem of evil, which is the most significant, disturbing, and, uh, uh, and powerful aspect of all of human life. We struggle with the, with the reality of evil. That goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden when um, Eve is being tempted by the serpent uh, to eat the forbidden fruit. And uh, she looks at the fruit and finds that it is it is attractive, uh, it is appealing, and that leads her then to actually step over the line and uh, uh, eat the forbidden food with the costly effects that death then comes upon the whole human race. So, for me, a, a horror film then has to have those three elements: that it it deals with things that are fearful, deals with things that are unnatural. And then deals with things that are evil uh, and how we, we cope with those kinds of issues. Um, I would also add, though, that in my, in my list, as we'll, we'll you know, see as I'm about to share it, uh, that uh, um, most of these films are older films. And there's a reason for that, because I'm, I'm looking for films that are creative, but also influential, films that really had an impact on the whole genre. Uh, that introduce characters and situations uh, in new and different ways, and also uh, have stood the test of time. Uh, there's lots of old movies that we don't pay any attention to. Uh, Around the World in 80 Days won the, the Oscar for Best Picture in 1950, 1956, and uh, very few people talk about that film or uh, deal with that film today. It was a big Big hit, a uh, big spectacle back in its time. So uh, films that have stood the test of time that we we go back and look at again and again, uh, in spite of the uh, limitations they may have for their historical period, they transcend that historical period in some way. Okay, well that's enough background and introduction. So, so uh, in order, in ascending order, starting with ten as the, the lowest on the end, ending with number one being the would be my choice for the number one horror film of all time. So number 10 uh, is actually an Italian film, uh, The Bird with Crystal Plumage, made in 1969 with the director Dario Argento, who was one of several major Italian horror film directors. He made a whole number of films. Suspira is a very, very famous example. But Bird with the Crystal Plumage, I, I chose because it sets up the whole concept of the, um, the slasher uh, psycho killer uh, figure that has been in, in, in movies you know, ever since Bird the Crystal Plumage was made. Uh, so Michael Myers and Jason and, and you know, all of these figures that come afterward all owe something to Bird with the Crystal Plumage where you have this idea of you have the deadly killer uh, who is stalking uh, an innocent victim, <clears throat> and all of those points of the fear, the unnatural, are all coming out there. And I think it's a groundbreaking film. And uh, as I say, I think it, it, it sets the stage 
for uh, lesser known films that come out later, Halloween and all that whole genre, uh, owe something to Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Now that's my number, number 10 choice. Uh, number nine is uh, an Italian film, Black Sunday, uh, which is directed by Mario Bava, who's uh, one of the great Italian horror film directors and stars Barbara Steele in an initial role uh, and it is a film about witchcraft. Uh, Barbara Steele plays a character, uh, plays a witch who is um, put to death uh, by, a, by a crowd and then you know, comes back to haunt people. Uh, very atmospheric, very dark, very kind of unsettling. Uh, and when you consider how important the figure of the witch is in just a whole tradition of horror stories, fairy tales, and all of that, that there, uh, there was a film a few years ago, just called The Witch. Uh, that, that's a central, central character. <laughs> and from my mind, Barbara Steele is the definitive witch in film history. And that's in that uh, Italian classic, Black Sunday, <clears throat> comes in at number nine on my list. Okay, moving up. Number eight uh, is a Japanese film, Ringu which came out in 1998. And uh, what makes this film so remarkable is that it deals with uh, the tradition of horror tied to technology. This is the film where telephone ringing, uh, video cassettes, watching television are all avenues of, of fear and destruction. Um, and it has a really, really disturbing climax. So the whole idea of taking on the image, and of course it's you know it's stated now, but the concept that technology can be a source of horror, uh, can be a source of the unnatural that we've talked about, uh, really comes out in that film. And it's a, it, it 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 was uh, remade in America as just the ring, but uh, that's which is okay, but it's nowhere near as effective as the original Ringu. And also to kind of remind us that um, this is there's a whole tradition of Japanese horror films. There's a whole tradition, uh, whole tradition of Italian horror films. There's, there's a Japanese tradition, uh, an Asian tradition too. Uh, when a film like Parasite uh, wins Best Picture uh, and also Best Foreign Film, and is in many ways I would argue a horror film, uh, it shows how important these of these non-English speaking genres are. So okay. So that, there they are, number number eight, Ringu. Moving up the list. Number seven is, for me, a, a classic from uh, Hollywood's golden age, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, uh, starring Frederick March and directed by the renowned director, uh, Ruben Mamoulian, who devised a transformation uh, that is still very impressive on film and, and uh he was asked time and again to reveal his secret, and he, he never really did. And after his death, people were able to kind of figure out how he did it, but it's still very remarkable. Frederick March won uh, Best Actor for the role, and um, uh, Ruben Mamoulian brings in uh, the whole German tradition of expressionism, uh, which really defined uh, the horror films of the 20s, 30s, and 40s in many ways. Uh, this also is a film that raises the fundamental moral questions. Uh, is uh, Jekyll responsible for Hyde's crimes? Uh, when Jekyll tries to um, 
repent, as it were, uh, to offer his penance. Uh, is, is that real or is it just a, a show? Uh, it, it really shows the torment of that. And there are all these um, interesting touches, um, candles that are lit, uh, symbolize some kind of hope. Candles that are not lit symbolize the opposite, the absence of hope. Uh, very carefully crafted film. And um, again, it's from it's an early talking film, but uh, uh, in many ways, it, it to me outstrips Frankenstein, Dracula, the other films that were remade in the same period uh, were equally famous, but that this film uh, with its performance by Frederick March and, um, and the, the makeup and so forth, uh, it's a, um, it's Hyde is almost a werewolf animalistic figure in this. And, uh, it's, it, it's very powerful. So, uh, yeah, it's melodramatic, you know, it belongs to a, the early talking period, but it still is, uh, a, a really an unforgettable experience when, uh, MGM 10 years later wanted to refilm the story. They really basically copied the 1931 version and uh, to, to try not to have that uh, interfere with their new version, they bought up a lot of the old copies, a lot of existing copies of the 1931 Frederick March version. So that wasn't available for decades, but it is now uh, and it's a major part of film history. And uh, again, it raises that point about um, uh, guilt and uh, repentance and uh, Expressions of pardon and then the whole idea of is there grace here anywhere? Uh, the problem of evil is very strong in this and how it, it overcomes the best intentions of Jekyll. Actually, it's called Jekyll in this particular version because that was apparently the actual Scottish translation. It got changed back to Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Again, this story has is one of the most important horror stories in English literature, been filmed many, many times. Uh, I think any list of, of great horror films has to include some version of it. And uh, so that's why I have it here. The uh, Ruben Mamoulian directed Dr. Dr. Tickel and Mr. Hyde uh, from, from uh, Paramount in 1931, open New Year's Eve, 1931. Number seven on my list. Okay, moving right along. Number six is Bride of Frankenstein, which actually I would have to say is the most creative film on the whole list. Uh, reason it's not higher than number six is it's hard to define it as really a horror film. Uh, it's got so many elements of it. It picks up pieces from the actual novel. Uh, it has this, this really in incredible, almost bizarre opening sequence where you actually have Mary Shelley with uh, her lover, Percy Shelley, and also Lord Byron in uh, a famous event that took place in 18, um, 1816, where they're on a, on a holiday and it's uh, raining the whole time and they come up with the idea of writing, writing a ghost story, a horror story. And of course, Mary Shelley goes on to write Frankenstein. So even to have that as the prologue is kind of amazing, uh, showing the literary origin of the, of the film. And uh, uh, there's just so many pieces of this. Uh, Boris Karloff was not happy with the monster speaking, but it's a bravura experience. And uh, uh, there's all kinds of religious imagery, uh, which I don't think is meant to be um, uh, mocking in any way, but it's also kind of tragic that the religious element doesn't overcome 
the other negative elements that are happening in the story. So, um, but uh, really an amazing kind of film and it's um, uh, one of a kind, but um, there's enough aspects of a horror tradition to be part of it, but it even goes well beyond that. So uh, that's number, number six, um, Ryder Frankenstein. Again, you have so many things you can talk about with that film. I can spend all day talking about it. The music alone uh, is very, very remarkable and was used for years afterward in Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers serials. Tremendous stuff. Uh, anyway, so it's, uh, it, it has that, uh, that whole kind of tragic, has a tragic element, has a comic element, uh, all of that contained there in uh, uh, James Whale's uh, masterpiece, Spider Frankenstein, comes in at number six uh, and could make other lists as well, so it's not limited to the horror genre. Number five uh, is Horror of Dracula, the uh, British version of Dracula, filmed in 1958 by the um, director, I would say, is second only to James Whale among horror film directors, Terence Fisher, uh, starring Peter Cushing as Dr. Von Helsing and uh, Christopher Lee as Count Dracula. Uh, this is really uh, one of the very best versions of, uh, of, of the Dracula story. Uh, it's established Hammer films on the mark, on the map, which uh, influenced films, influenced the genre for well over a decade. Uh, it's a, a, a terrific film. It's got that definitely a sense of the power of evil. Power of the Cross is very much there, which is in the original novel. Uh, Christopher Lee's Dracula is both attractive and menacing, and Peter Cushing's uh, Von Helsing is uh, a tireless fighter for uh, good versus evil. And uh, so it all comes together. It's uh, actually not, I'm not going to argue it's the best version of Dracula, but it's uh, one of the most influential versions, and it introduced, introduced a whole different way of doing horror films that was much more explicit, uh, not necessarily in a gratuitous way, but uh, uh, much more kind of upfront and um, and direct. So uh, and make it very clear that the female victims really enjoy being victims. Uh, disturbing images, all of that. Uh, and for Terence Fisher, it, it goes back to the Garden of Eden story. Uh, the fangs of the vampire is like the fangs of the serpent. And uh, the woman gets enticed by him, and then the whole contagion spreads through the, through the community. Okay, so uh, the best of the Hammer films, uh, well, not quite the best. I have to say one of the best, because uh, I've got another one coming up here. But uh, anyway, that comes in as um, uh, number five. Uh, number four, again, we're in ascending order. Number four is. Uh, what I would call the best version of Dracula, which is the German silent Nosferatu, filmed in 1922 by F.W. Murnau, one of the great uh, film directors in history. And uh, Nosferatu, which is an, another name for vampires, really doesn't have the name Dracula in it. Uh, there were actually copyright problems that developed as a result of that. But it, uh, it certainly had uh, the basic story of Dracula. And uh, rather than uh, the Dracula of Bela Lugosi or Christopher Lee, who were kind of initially attractive figures uh, with opera capes and all of that and tuxedos, um, 
this this vampire, this Dracula, is like a goblin or a, you know some kind of a ghoul or a troll. Uh, very very frightening. Uh, and the film operates almost on like a dream level. So it, it's a silent movie. Uh, it's a uh, hundred years old basically, but it still is one of the most disturbing movies uh, you can ever watch. And it is, it is like, it is like watching uh, a nightmare unfold before you. And uh, uh, the character here of the vampire is, uh, is unforgettable. Uh, and you know, one of the, one of these films can be debated too in terms of does it lay some of the groundwork unintentionally for the emergence of Hitler? I mean, there's a lot of things going on here. Uh, it is a major, major film, and probably the best of, of the great German classics of um, of horror that are in the silent period. Include films like The Golem, uh, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, uh, Warning Shadows. There's a whole tradition. Again, I'm picking films that represent whole movements of film, whether that's a Italian Gothic films or German Expressionist. Uh, these are, I'm trying to pick what are, in my opinion, are the best of those genres and those types of film. Okay, number three is what I would consider the best of the Hammer films, The Devil Rides Out, 1968, again directed by Terrence Fisher, starring Christopher Lee and starring Charles Gray as uh, Makata, the uh, uh, Satanist in this. This is a, a film about black magic, uh, and uh, it is very, very powerful. Uh, it, it, the special effects are you know, adequate for its period, but what makes the film really effective is uh, Terrence Fisher's direction, which uh, is, is very, very uh, sharp and pointed and keeps dragging us deeper and deeper into um, uh, things that involve uh, Satanism and witchcraft. Uh, Christopher Lee, uh, who's often a villain, here plays the hero, the Christian warrior, the Duke de Relicio, and Charles Gray uh, is the Satanist. Uh, this is a film where the, the sharp lines between good and evil are very clear. Uh, there's no uncertainty as to what's going on here. What the problem is, though, is that evil is deceptive. It is attractive. Uh, and um, as the Bible says, the, the Satan masquerades as an angel of light. And so you have these, this, this Satanist figure who... Uh, appears to be very suave and debonair and uh, wants to be helpful and all of this kind of stuff. And it's very, very deadly. Uh, has a phenomenal climax. It's really a film that gets quite mystical at points. Uh, one of the things about the Hammer films is that they do tend to take things uh, in a very real, concrete way. You know, they try to... It, it, it's not the ethereal kind of things that we see both in German expressionism or in the early uh, Hollywood films. Uh, they're not terribly mystical. They're, they're, they have a definite reality to them, even though the reality is often supernatural. But in this film, uh, you do get mystical stuff going on. Souls being transmitted from one body to another and you know, things like that. Uh, again, you, you know, Rosemary's Baby, uh, the Omen, all of these films about Satanism and witchcraft come out later, uh, are nowhere near, in my opinion, the same league as The Devil Rides Out, uh, which makes a clear case for um, uh, 
why evil is is so present and so appealing and so uh, so effective. Okay, moving along here up the ladder. Uh, number two is The Wicker Man, 1973, directed by Robin Hardy, uh, from a script by Anthony Schaefer, who uh, directed the uh, the Broadway play Clue, and uh, starring uh, Edward Woodward as a uh, as a Christian police sergeant, and Christopher Lee as the head of a of a of a neo pagan island off the coast of Scotland. Uh, this is a film that is really disturbing, uh, and again forces us to think about what is the nature of evil. Uh, again, it. it when you think of evil, so much, so often being the case of uh, storms and lightning and uh, pouring rain and all of that, this is all in the context of uh, the birth of spring and a uh, celebration of May Day. Uh, the later film Midsummer picks up some of these same ideas and themes, but uh, the, the Wicker Man is very, very unsettling, uh, and it does deal with this idea of. Um, pagan ritual that is still going on in the in the latter part of the 20th century. And Edward uh, uh, Woodward, rather, um, is uh, Sergeant Howie, and uh, uh, he's a very committed Christian. He's a very committed uh, police officer. He believes that, a, believes that a little girl is being threatened with uh, child sacrifice. So we're getting into things that are really, really uh, dark and unsettling. So, um, powerful film, not easily forgotten. Uh, been called the Citizen Kane of horror films. Uh, so it comes into my ranking as number two overall. Certainly the, the best British horror film of all time. Number one film that is well known uh, and still very influential, Psycho, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Um, and uh, this, again, is a film that is pointing us in the direction of what will become the slasher films later on. It's not quite as explicit as early as Bird with the Crystal Plumage, but it, it does have an idea. And it is a film that suggests, first of all, you're dealing with madness or um, schizophrenia, if you will, uh, as the film plays out. But it's also a film, that I would argue, that sets you up for what, what you think will be a dream from which you will awaken. Uh, but unfortunately, this is a dream you don't awaken from. The uh, conventional Hollywood way of dealing with this would have been when uh, Marion Crane uh, has she stolen this money, uh, no spoiler alerts that anybody knows the film, and uh, she pulls over to the side of the road uh, and goes to sleep, and then a police officer comes and wakes her up, uh, and uh, the rest of the film unfolds, and oddly enough, the police officer kind of follows her, which seems kind of strange. But of course, we, we end up in the uh, in the Bates Motel, uh, and we're dealing with things that are certainly very, very unnatural. Uh, and um, well, well presented here. Hitchcock's drawing on other films that had similar kinds of, of senses. Uh, Janet Lee gives a great performance as a victim who who dies within the first third of the film, which totally throws us off. Uh, so all of this, it comes together uh, in a film that is still scary, uh, still unsettling, 
And um, I would say, you know, in a conventional way, uh, the film would, would have ended with, uh, again, repeating that scene where Marion is asleep in a car on the side of the road and gets awakened by the police officer. And then uh, it's all been a bad dream. And she turns around and drives back to the city and she's going to turn herself in and turn back the money that she stole. Uh, that would be a conventional Hollywood approach to it. Uh, sort of like the Fritz Long film, The Woman in the Window and so forth. These films where, you know, it's all a dream at the end, as disturbing as it has been. And you just you kind of dovetail back to that. I think Hitchcock deliberately sets it up as though it's going to be that way. But that's not the way it is. And I think the fact that it's like a nightmare you don't awaken from makes it especially effective. So um, what, uh, I think Psycho sets up all kinds of uh, uh, resonance for decades afterward uh, with this idea. And certainly the, the idea, too, that uh, it's based on the novel uh, by Robert Block called Psycho, where Ed Gear, who was a real person and uh, who actually um, uh, did, did kill uh, innocent women and, and actually even skinned them. Uh, and, you know, his character was sort of the, the inspiration for this. And and that influence shows up later on in everything from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre to the Silence of the Lambs. So uh, to me, Psycho stands, there's other great films, obviously, on, on this list. Psycho stands alone, uh, I think, as the best horror film, all things considered. Uh, of all time. Uh, just a, a final comment. What is my favorite horror film? So if you want to ask, uh, there, there's, you know, the critical evaluation and then there's your personal favorite. And my, my favorite horror story uh, actually is also a detective story. It's uh, The Hound of the Baskervilles, where uh, Sherlock Holmes uh, makes the great statement. He said that in a modest way, it may be said that I have tried to combat evil but to take on the father of evil himself may be too ambitious a task. For Holmes is called in to take on uh, a, uh, a demonic curse on the Baskerville family. Uh, again, film has been made, I mean, and put Sherlock Holmes in that kind of a setting is just, uh, just, just too impressive. Uh, film has been made many, many, sorry, before many, many times. My choice of the best one would be uh, the Hammer one with Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee, directed by Terence Fisher in 1959. Um, the only drawback in the film is the initial appearance of a hound, uh, which leaves something to be desired. But uh, the hound uh, lunges at poor uh, Christopher Lee and actually bit him, uh, and he had to go briefly to the hospital. He did not, uh, he pointed out, did not draw blood, but scary enough that they had to motivate this hound to really. Uh, uh, become an, uh, an attacking monster. So, um, and what makes that story so effective is uh, much more than any physical violence is the sense of mood and atmosphere. Uh, said in the English Moors, it's like an, a, a haunted landscape. And that's, that comes up in other novels, Wuthering Heights, uh, Tess of the Dubervilles, uh, Jane Eyre, that there's something menacing about those dark moors in England. And uh, this pulls it to the fullest extent, uh, ties those all together, and in spite of some, you know, few drawbacks, I still would pick the Hound of the Baskervilles 
1959 as my all-time personal favorite uh, horror film. Uh, I like to watch it uh, every Halloween when I get a chance. Okay, so that's everything. Uh, we will have uh, a lot of discussions coming up. We've got other people lined up. Uh, we're going to have some changes in our podcast, but uh, the 10 Times the Terror will continue, and uh, we'll keep you posted. And happy Halloween. Thank you for listening to me. It's 10 times the terror. The <laughs> you are impossible. Thank you for listening to 10 times the terror. This podcast would not be possible without listeners like you. You can find out more about our podcast by visiting our website, 10 times the terror.com. That's 10 x the terror.com.